with the fundamental ethos of reaching unreached people groups. I don't know if you're aware of the fact that there are something like 2.9 billion people in the world today who have never heard the gospel of Christ, and 75% of these live in Asia. So the burden is to reach these unreached people groups and go where a lot of people are not going, just to share the good news of Christ. I am helped in this. In fact, she's really my boss, uh, Isabel. Uh, she and I, are, she has worked with um, Asia Link for the past 12 years, amongst other things. She runs a database, she writes for the magazine, um, she keeps me uh, and everybody else who works for us in line. There are eight people who work for Asia Link because our, our belief is that the people on the ground in the countries where we work are the ones who are best equipped to know what needs to be done. So we try to partner with them, raise finance, raise awareness, so that the work of the gospel amongst unreached people groups can go on apace. These are the countries where we I've not done this on PowerPoint before, everything else is on Mac. Oh. Meanwhile, back at South Fork. This is a PowerPoint display, and the complicating factor is the kit that we use is Mac because Keynote is better than PowerPoint. Um, so I've never run it on PowerPoint before. These are the countries that we, where we work. You will note that if you know anything about geography, the, the pointers don't correspond to where the countries actually are because PowerPoint didn't take the translation from Keynote very, uh, very well. But these are the areas in which we are currently involved. And the passion is for those who have no opportunity to hear the gospel. What I'd like to do for a minute is to try to set a biblical context for the work of mission. In Mark chapter 1, verse 17, you find this verse, Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And the reason for this is because of, we believe, and I believe passionately, that God is a missional God, that God is the God who took the initiative in terms of giving, that while we were yet sinners, the Scripture tells us, Christ died for us. In other words, even though we were in a disobedience against God, He gave His only begotten Son that we might have the opportunity to know Him and to know the eternal life that is offered in His name. In this particular context, in Mark chapter 1, Jesus is walking beside the Sea of Galilee, and he comes across Andrew and Simon Peter. Mark doesn't tell us, none of the Gospel writers tell us why Jesus is doing what he's doing, but he comes across them, and in that short period of time, there is a discourse that radically changes the course of human history and radically changes the course of the lives of four fishermen who would then multiply into 12, who would then multiply to where we are today. And in that passage, there are two or three things that you find. The first is a call. A call is what Jesus said, come 
follow me. A call implies a change. In other words, Jesus was not saying to these uh, two men that life is going to be exactly the same if you follow me as it is just now. It is going to be radically different. And I love that fact. I love the fact that when I became a Christian, my life was changed. The Apostle Paul says that all the old things have gone. Everything has become new when you are in Christ. And that's the call that is made here this morning to each and every one of us. Are we willing to engage with the call of God in our lives? Call is something that is important in the Scriptures. If you go back into Genesis, God called Abraham. All he said to Abraham was, get up, go from there, and I'll take you somewhere that I will show you. And on the basis of that, Abraham believed God. And the Scripture says that God reckoned it to him as righteousness. A call implies change, but there was more than just a call in this situation. There was also a commission. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. In other words, Jesus was going to turn their lives upside down. He was going to make huge changes to them. He was going to give them a purpose. He was going to give them a new direction. He was going to give them a new sense of being and a new way of investing their lives. And following Jesus means, it strikes me, not just moving away. The Scripture says that when we come to faith in Christ, we lose the penalty of our sin. And by God's grace, we lose the guilt of our sin. But our salvation is not just moving away from that. It's also moving into. We are then free to become the children of God. Salvation is a two-way street. You you are saved from and you are saved to, becoming children of God. And the other thing that Jesus said to his disciples then, he said, I will make you fishers of men. I don't know if you know much about fishing. I, I was never into fishing. William comes from a fishing uh, town. At one point, Wick was the herring capital of Europe. It's hard to believe it when you look at the place now. Although you were up there recently, I understand, the same weekend as we were there, um, or the weekend before we were there. And the harbour is beginning to change, but it's not about fishing, it's about wind farms way out in the middle of the North Sea. But the thing about fishing is in order for a fish to be of any use to you, it has to be deed. Unless you eat your fish alive. Anybody eat their fish alive? No, I didn't think so. In order for a fish to be of any use, does it have to be dead? But Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. And the fundamental difference is that is he's catching men to bring in, the, in men and women and young people to bring them into life an abundant life, a life in all its fullness. And that's what he promised to the disciples on that occasion. Did they understand? No. It is clear from looking through the gospel stories that they didn't really get him. They didn't really get him until after Pentecost. They didn't really get what he was about. They didn't really get what they were supposed to be about. And on one occasion, recorded for us in John chapter 21, they began to be restless about what was going to happen. And Peter, always the one to come up with, you know, Peter was one of the ones who seemed to sort of engage his mouth before his brain caught up. And, and he said, look, basically said, I'm cheesed off, I'm going fishing. They went out fishing, they caught nothing. Jesus appeared to them and, and, and he asked them, if they had caught anything. And they said, no, and he said, cast your net on the other side. And they hauled in a catch that they could never, almost never, uh, never have, have, uh, have, have, have brought in. And that strikes me that that promise made to them is a promise made to us. As we fish, so we will catch. 
As we sow the seed of the gospel, so we will see the fruit. As we take the message of the gospel of the kingdom, seen in the person of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, into our communities, then there will be those who will respond. There will be those whom God will call to himself and bring into his kingdom. Now, we may not see it these days in the West, in the way that the disciples saw it in that catch of fish, but it's there, and we have to keep on going and keep on trusting and trust in the promise of God. I don't know about you, but I have never read of a promise in Scripture, or God has never made a promise to me that he has not ever fulfilled. So, here's the question. Are we listening for God's call? Are we willing to engage in this commission? Are we reeling in the catch? This ministry, this presentation is about AsiaLink, and you might wonder, so how is AsiaLink investing? I'm going to focus for this morning on one country, a country that I've been in twice before, uh, and that is in Laos. It's an incredible place, and everything that you see from here on in is represented by two visits last year, one by one of our teams who went out in, September, in February of last year, and Isabel and I being out there in August. So where is Laos? Sorry, yeah, there we go. Laos is a landlocked country. Um, right, it's not going to work. To the north, you've got China. To the northeast, you've got Vietnam running down the side. To the bottom, you've got Cambodia. To the west, you've got Thailand. And what you can't see in the northwest is Myanmar, formerly known as Burma. It is an incredible country. It is, has a population of 7 million it is split into 17 different states, and travel from the north to south is absolutely horrendous. The roads that I showed you with the children is what mainly the roads are like once you get out of the city. There is a video, and I hope it works. The sound with that, so here we go. Here we go, it does.
the people are amazing. The children are gorgeous. I'm sure we could have squeezed about 14 in our backpacks to bring them home when we were out there in August. That is the Lao flag, very symbolic. If you know anything about Laos, you may well know that up until the early 70s, Laos was a French colony. The French basically ran Laos, which is why you get fantastic bread and fantastic French fries. Um, during the Vietnam War, there was a fight for independence in Laos as well as it was in Vietnam, and the, this new flag was brought into being. The red represents the blood of those who shed their lives in the cause of freedom as they see it. The blue is the mighty Mekong River that runs throughout the spine of Laos, one of the great rivers of Asia, uh, and, and, and the center of their economics. The white is the moon rising over Laos. Laos is an incredibly diverse country. There are something like 149 different people groups registered in Laos with 82 recognized languages. It is incredibly poor as well. I mean, how do you describe poverty? Poverty is relative, but if I tell you that, and I'll tell you this for comparison, you don't necessarily have to understand the economics behind it. The gross domestic product of Laos per head of population per capita is $2,300. That's a symbol of the wealth of the country. That was last year. If you take into account that for the same period, the UK was 44,000 and the US was $65,000. It is one of the poorest countries in the world. That, she is an Aka lady, one of the tribes. I, I don't know how she makes it from one place to the next and sees through that, but here she goes. It also has the reputation of being, per capita, the most bombed country in the history of humanity. During the years 1964 to 1973, at the height of the Vietnam War, when the Americans were blockading the coast of North Vietnam to stop supplies getting to South Vietnam, the Viet Cong and the Viet Minh formed what they called the Ho Chi Minh Trail, which is right down the spine of Laos to get into Vietnam. And during that period, the Americans flew 580,000 bombing missions dropping two million tons of ordnance, including 270 million cluster bombs. That is the equivalent of one bombing mission taking off every eight minutes, 24-7, for nine years. Now that is sad. Another sad fact is that about a third of that ordnance did not explode, and it's lying there in the Laotian countryside for people to come across. And since 1975, in the end of the war, 30,000 people have lost their lives by coming in contact with unexploded ordnance. But they are an incredibly resourceful people because you see that thing there that looks like a tree, that's a canoe, it's a metal canoe. And that canoe is made out of the fuel tanks of B-52 bombers that were discarded. So the principle is if it doesn't kill you, you put it to good use. The, 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 um, that canoe is at a rehab center for people who have come across unexploded ordnance. And these are, that's the Lao National Basket, Paralympic Basketball Team. Every single one of these guys is in a wheelchair because they came across unexploded ordnance. It's humbling. I'll tell you, they're faster in the wheelchair up the court than I can run. It is amazing to watch them practice. What is the religion? The religion is Buddhist. You cannot get away from it. On every street corner there are temples. You see the guys in the saffron robes. Everywhere they go, their temples are incredibly ornate, gold leaf and everything else, uh, and you cannot escape Buddhism. I'm hoping this one works. I've not seen this slide. There we go. ...are Buddhists, and, and you can't miss how important uh, this religion is to the people of Laos. 
The monks, the monasteries, the temples are just everywhere you look. We're down here in the main street in Luang Prabang at 6.30 in the morning. The monks have just been walking down the main street here for their morning ritual. All the local people have gathered at the side of the street, giving them their food. It's how they think they obtain their salvation. It's crazy to see these people really need the gospel. government is communist, a one-party pernicious communism, the Patet Lao of the Communist Party, of, uh, the, 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 the party in government. And everywhere you go, you will see the hammer and sickle juxtaposed with the Lao flag uh, as if to remind you that there is no distribution of any kind of propaganda, either political or otherwise. Christians in Laos are still badly persecuted. It is not unusual for pastors to be taken from their homes or churches, either thrown into prison or executed. Uh, ordinary church members live in fear of the communists all the time. And when we talk about persecution, it's hard to imagine it. I want to introduce you, though, to one family. This is a family who lived in northern Laos. They were the only Christian family in their village. The villagers wanted electricity and fresh water, and the officials said, you can have that, but only if you get rid of the Christian family. So the local official wrote his decree, uh, and he presented it to the, to the village elders, and this family were kicked out of town. That is a Lao village. Kicked out of town. But not only were they kicked out of town, the villagers came and they dismantled their house put it on the back of a truck and kicked them out of town. Now that might seem like a horrendous thing to do, but what is more complicated was they were thrown out with no papers. You cannot cross from one province to another without papers. Without papers, you don't work. Your children don't go to school. You don't get a job or anything. So these people were basically cast out to a life of destitution. So how was Asia Link involved? I want to share four areas that is our ministry in Laos at the moment. One is training church planters. Um, the one good thing about Laos is that you can get out into Thailand um, and everybody goes back because they know who goes out and if you don't come back, they'll get your family. So twice a year, we take something like 125 church planters and pastors. We bring them out into northern Thailand and we train them, or we help to train them. Um, they, they meet like that, unlike Baptist Jamborees, which you and I have both been on, which, you know, you go, you maybe during your whole day between nine and five, spend four or five hours doing the important thing. The church thinks that you're there doing eight hours of. 
But these guys and women are at it from, they meet from six o'clock in the morning till midnight every day, and then they pray for seven weeks. People like him, people like them. Now, the interesting thing about that is that because they live in Laos, they can't socialize, they can't interact. So the only time some of these pastors see one another is at these two conferences. And when they do that, their joy is absolutely unconfined. High border right beside the river. And we're gathering here for a conference of church planters and evangelists. About 150 of them uh, will be here for the next number of days. Uh, we'll be teaching the Bible to them, listening to their stories and listening to their testimonies as well as just gathering for prayer. It's a kind of a special time for these guys and for us as well. We're a little bit concerned because some of the guys have been stopped at the border uh, by the police and they're being checked. So we're hoping that they'll uh, make it through and be able to spend these days here and there'll be a time of blessing.
I can't begin to tell you many times I've seen that, and every time I see it, I'm convicted of the fact, asking myself the question, is my joy in Christ the same as their joy in Christ? The other thing, you know, worshiping these guys, is, with these guys, is absolutely exhausting. Um, and when they pray, everybody prays at the same time. You know, don't sit in little neat rows looking at the back of the head of the person in front of you and wait your turn. Everybody just goes for it. Whenever the whistle goes for it, it's time to pray. Everybody just goes for it. You don't have time to think, you know, is my grammar right? And, you know, is God going to... And it's incredible. And once you get into it, you're shouting as loud as everybody else is shouting. But that's one of the ways that... One of the things that we help to fund. We also help to fund providing Bibles. You cannot print Bibles inside Laos. Bibles like this. This is a Lao Bible. Um, all the Bibles have to be brought in. And Gordon, the guy that you see with the Irish accent, he is our director. He was in a team last year. Um, to, in fact, he's going again next week. Can I go back one? I don't think it really matters. Uh, he's going out with a team to Laos and Vietnam next week to do this. And the only way that they can get the Bibles into Laos is by being smuggled in. And so we take teams in Operation Monsoon. If you are between the ages of 18 and 65 and you would like to go on one of these trips, it's full for this year, for, for this current one. There's another one coming up in September. You have an opportunity to give me your details. So the Bibles are brought over from Thailand. They are put in backpacks. They are taken over into Laos. And then because of where we take them in, it's six hours down the Mekong in a boat. Not one as comfortable as that. I have done this, and it's incredible. Yes, we still need the Bible, but we cannot find the Bible inside here because all the Bible is printed in Thailand and they need to carry to cross the border to Laos. And we cannot do that because they will check. Well, here we are in a hotel room in Chiang Mai. We're just being visited by guys who brought us the Lao Bibles and we're going to get ready to take them across the border of the Laos tomorrow. Okay, we've arrived at the Thai-Lao border and we're just about to go through immigration here behind us and then a bus across the river into Laos with all of our Bibles. I think we're all a bit nervous, uh, a wee bit concerned about the next wee while, but we're just praying that everything will go well.
Okay, we've just um, <clears throat> made our way through past the border and we're about to get one of these speedboats down the river. It's a Toyota car engine that drives these things, drives them around about 40 or 50 miles an hour. And we're going six hours down the river, it's quite a journey. Uh, we're going to load our Bibles on board in just a few minutes. but that's a Toyota car engine. I drive a Toyota Avensis. So the engine that's in my car is in the back of that canoe. Um, and when he says 40, 50 miles an hour, it's right. It is the scariest thing I have ever done in my life. And it's the longest six hours of my life. You'll notice that the only guy who had the crash helmet was the pilot. Let me tell you, when you've done that, your nether regions are in need of a break. This is Song. We met Song last year in Luang Prabang when he got the Bibles. Song is a delightful guy. He now has a badge that I gave him that says, People Make Glasgow, and he thinks it's fantastic. What's the most imaginative way that you can think of of sharing the gospel? Or how do you respond? I notice that you support a food bank. How do you respond to people in need? In Laos, everybody is in need. Village life, everybody is in need. The poverty is unbelievable. Uh, I have never seen anything like it in my life. So one enterprising businessman from the northeast of Scotland sold his business, went out to Laos, and one of the things he did was he set up a fish farm. And in this fish farm in Laos, they cultivate tilapia fish. Um, they use the fish. Have you ever eaten tilapia fish? You've eaten, I, th I thought I saw the wee sort of next to it. Are they good? Because I just, I wouldn't try it. Right. Well, there you go. I was not brave enough to try it when they fed us. Each of these, each of these tanks contains 20,000 tilapia fish, except the white one, which has got the adult uh, fish in it. And the idea is that they breed these fish, they take the fish into the villages, they feed the villagers, sometimes they will give them the technology if that's what they want to grow their own fish, and the villagers say, why are you doing this? Then they have the opportunity to share the gospel of Christ with them. That's what 20,000 tilapia fish eggs look like. Five days later, they look like that. They are ready to go into the tank. They fed us while we were there. My wife ate the fish, and all they do is they cut the head, they cut the tail off it, they gut it and throw it. Uh, actually, they don't cut the head off it, they cut the tail, they throw it in whatever it is, they throw it, and it comes out, and it looks disgusting. Um, but. Anyway, it's an incredible way of sharing the gospel 
of Christ. Why do we do it? Because of people who live in conditions like this. Because of them. Because of my buddy that I got to know when we were out there, makes baskets out of bamboo. And I don't know if you notice that that's the door of his house and the paper there stuck in the, the top of the door is cut like that because they believe that that keeps the evil spirits away. That's why we do what we do. When I was watching him, his wife brought out this teak chair. Now, I don't know if you, I mean, he was 73 years old. He'd been married twice. He had 18 children. They brought out this teak chair for me to sit in. I saw a teak chair that would cost hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds here. But when you look in the house, all I ever saw was another four of these chairs and a dirt floor and nothing else. And no idea where they slept or where they cooked or did anything else. These people need to hear the gospel of Christ. I don't know if you know it, but Thailand, Laos, and Vietnam is the center of sex trafficking in Southeast Asia. And a ministry we partner with is called Salt and Light. And we partner with them to rescue young girls, young women from the sex trade. Daniel heads up the Ministry of Salt and Light in Vientiane. He's Canadian. Simfong, the little woman there whom I love because she makes me look like a giant. She and her team go out into the beer halls and in the brothels and they make contact with these young girls, many of whom are there because of their families. They will go up into the villages always with a woman, talk the parents into letting their young girls go because with the promise of making money to send money back, and when they get into the city, they're sold into the beer halls, they're sold into the brothels. And Lauren, she works with the volunteers. Her husband is a consultant pediatrician who gave up an incredibly good job in, in, uh, in the United States to come out and do that. The front for that, that's one of the main streets in Vientiane, the filthiest city I've ever been in in my life. And up in the left, you see a G, the, the, the pointer's not working, I would not pick it. Oh, there it goes. That's Common Grounds. That's a coffee shop, which is a front for the ministry that they do. And they bring the girls out from places like this. Places like that. Places like that. I think it's just slow to load the files. Young girls like her. We have three safe houses that they bring them out into. The first thing is to get them safe. There they are loved, they are cared for, they are taught the things of Christ, and many of them come to faith in Jesus Christ. Young women in Laos like to paint their toenails as well. They worship, they read their Bibles, 
they grow in Christ. People, young girls like them, we were unable to go to the safe houses when we were out because two of the girls had dengue fever and one was in the final stages of life having, you know, through AIDS and the week we left, a week after we left, she died. She was probably 15 years old. Little ones like her. And here's where I want to ask you a question. No, I need one back. I just, there's one more before interwoven. What do you want me to do? Forward. Uh, Forward. Sorry, I beg your pardon. No. No. That one. Thank you. What a maestro. Let me ask you a question. How old do you think these girls are when they are brought into this kind of thing? You, you can ask me. How old do you think they are? 12? 15? Did you say 15? Any advance? See this little one here? When she came into Salt and Light, she was seven years old. And she was already HIV positive. She is now a thriving teenager teaching Sunday school, growing it in Christ, and is a lovely, jolly little individual. That's why this ministry is so important. So they need our help. They need our prayers. And I want to leave you. Right, these are the, I think, I can't remember now. These are the four areas I wanted to share with you today. Help the Asia Link's ministry in Laos, helping to train pastors and planters, putting Bibles into the hands of God's people, feeding hungry souls, angry mouths and hungry souls, and less, rescuing young women from slavery. There should be one more slide. This is Pastor T. Let me tell you about Pastor T for a minute. He's a pastor of a house church in the hill country in Laos. And one of the families whose daughter had been trafficked and sent down into Vientiane, the family lost touch with her. They, they hadn't heard from her for months and months and months. They had no idea what was going on. They began to get worried. They went to the local village official and asked for help, and he was useless. They went to the temple to speak to the priests in the temple, and they said a prayer and nothing happened. They heard about Pastor T. So they wanted to get with Pastor T. The problem was Pastor T's church and the village where he lived was two days' walk from where they lived. So they walked over the hills for two days to get to Pastor T, only to discover that he was at another church another day's walk away. So they walked another day. They told them the story and said, can you help? And he said, yes, I can help. Do you have a photograph of your daughter? And they said, yeah, but it's back at home. So they walked three days back then two days back again to Pastor T, showed him the photograph. He put the photograph on a table, put his hands on the photograph, and he prayed, Sovereign God, you are the creator of the heavens and the earth. You are the power. You love this young woman. You know where she is. And in the mighty name of Jesus, we ask that you return her to her family. The family got up, went away, disappointed, basically saying, is that it? A while later, this young girl 
with another group of girls was being sold on to some guys in Vietnam. They were being transported from Laos into Vietnam in the back of a truck. The girls were roped together. There were two guys with them. Traveling, as I said, in Laos is extremely difficult. So when they were going up one of the mountain things, the, the, the truck fell and it went down the hill, landed in the valley below. The two captors were both killed. Some of the girls were injured, but every single one of them's life was saved, including this young girl whose parents had come to see Pastor T. When she was better, she was reunited with her family. And the family got on their hoofs and they walked the two days to Pastor T's church. And they said to Pastor T, now tell us about this God that you serve. They came to faith in Christ. The kingdom grew. That's why this, I believe this is important. Thank you for allowing me the opportunity to share our ministry uh, with you. I hope you haven't been bored. If you want to find out a little bit more, I mean, for example, if you want to get one of our magazines four times a year, they'll come to you at no cost. All they need you to do is to sign up with your name and address. There's an e-briefing that comes out with it. If you want to pray for Isabel and I, we will be glad to receive that. If you would like a Laos bookmark to remind you of Project Laos, you can have one of these. If you want to get involved and go on one of the trips, which I tell you will change your life, just let me know. If you want to help AsiaLink in any way that you can, this is the information leaflet with you. Ross, I'm grateful for the opportunity. Thank you so much. Let me pray. Lord God Almighty, we thank you that you are the God who is the sovereign of the universe. To you we bow, and at no greater time uh, do we recognize that, and in this week 